I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier. We're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass, busted draft pick, and game-changing play. Or play call. Intercepted at the goal line by Malcolm Butler. Sorry, Marshawn, still too soon. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow and listen to Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen ad-free by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. I mean, the possibilities are limitless, Kevin. What if Portland drafted Michael Jordan? What if the NBA never vetoed the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers? That's a butterfly effect for real. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Rodgers in trouble. Does he have a vintage moment in him? In the end zone, it is caught for the win. Pressure, pass is picked off, and who is it? Big B.J. Raji for the touchdown. Once again, thank you for joining us on another episode of Packs What She Said. I am Maggie Loney, as always, joined by Perry Goldstein. Thank you, as she said, TV fans, for giving us a listen each and every week. Uh, today on this episode, we wanted to talk a little bit about Packers free agents, uh, specifically Packers free agents. We might kind of dip our toes into the rest of the NFL eventually, but with Mason Crosby re-signing with Green Bay, it felt like a really good time to kind of assess the market and see what other notable names might be back or might be finding other landing spots for the 2020 season. So really quick on Mason Crosby, I'll let Perry do the deep dive because she does way better homework than me. She's the A student and I'm like the C plus student. Um, (laughs) You're our stats girl. He is the Packers all-time leading scorer. And I just thought that this was really fascinating. He's one of four NFL players to appear in every regular season game since 2007. So when you do the math, that's 208 straight contests, and he trails Brett Favre as, you know, so he's second now in team history. Brett Favre has 255 games. But the fun fact about this, and I probably just jinxed it, so I'm really sorry. If Mason Crosby plays out his entire three-year career and doesn't miss a game, he will officially have 256 regular season games, which means that he will break Brett Favre's all-time record by one regular season game. So should he retire in three years after playing consecutive games, he will be the new leader in consecutive games in franchise history. So Perry will give you the numbers, but I wanted to give you the random fact in case you're ever on Jeopardy. That's fantastic. I mean, I think he gets me. Mason gets overlooked a lot and the NFL is one of the best kickers. Like he is one of the most consistent kickers there are. And the fact that he has been kicking for that long, um, in a place like Green Bay. I, I don't remember who I was listening to. I think it was maybe Andy Herman recently on Pack-A-Day. And he was talking about how like nine out of 16 of Mason's games are either in Green Bay or Chicago where the weather is notoriously bad. So to have someone that reliable, I'm not at all surprised that the Packers brought him back. Um, 
the deal is three years worth 12.9 million total. Six million of that um, he'll actually get in the 2020 season. So they really front loaded it. Um, and it is going to make him the third highest paid kicker in the NFL, but he easily deserves that after, especially after the last season that he had. Um, in 2019, he converted a career high 91.7% of field goal tries. Um, in a league where we're watching double doinks all the time, I just like I cannot <laughs> stress enough how like happy and just at ease I am that Mason is coming back next season and we don't have to think about our kicker of the future just yet. Um, he made all but two of his 24 attempts and um, we're just very thankful for him. Um, depending on the signing bonus and structure, Crosby's cap hit will likely fall in the 4 million range for 2020. So it eats into it a little bit, but at the same time, um, definitely could be worse. I think it's a pretty um, good deal for both sides. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And I think uh, Aaron Rodgers for sure said, I know a couple other players had mentioned it, that this entire season and, you know, even beforehand, like before the season, pretty much all of Mason's career, he had a couple down years. But then at this point, Aaron Rodgers, you know, had made a comment about how when Mason Crosby trots out onto the field for like a game winning field goal, they never have to worry about the fact that he might miss it. You know, Aaron Rodgers is like, we're basically already celebrating before he kicks the ball because we know he's money Mason and he's that consistent. Um, so I also like that he gets his contract in the year that he did his first Lambo leap, but just mm-hmm. all of it feels, you know, really wholesome, especially since he signed on February 22nd, 2020 to 22, 2020. I don't know if that was intentional. It feels like maybe it was, but I really liked it when I saw that on Twitter this week. So a couple other free agents, you know, I guess we can kind of just go down the list and talk about the biggest names and Maybe you agree with me, maybe you don't. I think that the two are kind of interchangeable. I'm talking about Brian Blog and Blake Martinez, but I think if I'm the Packers, I'm more interested in going after Brian Belaga. So if you're cool with it, I want to talk about him first, and then we'll jump into Blake Martinez. Sounds good to me. Um, so Spotrack estimates Brian Belaga would have a market value of $10 million, um, when if he should hit the free agent market. Um, they think he's worth about a three-year deal. So this would likely be his last contract before he retires. And I understand the sentiment that a lot of Packer fans have about, you know, taking a career guy and letting him retire in Green Bay. But then you also see the dialogue about, you know, the Packers have a history of letting offensive linemen go one year early, you know, instead of waiting that year um, and then maybe releasing them one year too late when they're not as productive. Um, So given his injury history, given the Packers history with guys like TJ Lang and Josh Sitton, kind of what are your thoughts on whether or not Brian Balaga will get to end his career in Green Bay or if he might be, you know, donning a new uniform for his final contract? The thought of him being in another uniform for another season or two, like, really uh, hurts me. I think it would be... I know, that's kind of mean. That's kind of mean of me to say Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I... I can't tell if my loyalty is clouding what I think the Packers will do truly, but I mean, watching him battle through injury and still play every game. And when he's in, he makes such a huge difference. I mean, we see games where, you know, he's out and Alex light or somebody else is in for him and it just is completely different. Um, And I think his impact is too valuable for the Packers to let him walk. Um, 
I definitely think given how tight our cap space is, we aren't going to offer him the same level of money that he would get in the open market. But I hope that with the idea that I'm sure he also wants to retire a Packer and stay with the team, I could see them figuring out, you know, Russ Ball working his magic a little bit to figure out some contract with a lot of incentives maybe, or just, um, you know, so he doesn't hit too much of that cap space just like they did with Mason to keep him there. Um, but at the same time, like we've seen lifetime guys walk, like I'm thinking about like Clay Matthews last year where it just, it doesn't work. Um, and so they have to let him go. So, I mean, of course I'm leaning towards keeping him, but it would have to I think be a little bit of a team friendly deal. Yeah. It's really hard to kind of assess some of those guys where, Um, They are like homegrown players. And one of the things that the Packers are pretty notorious for is, you know, having that really cohesive offensive line. There aren't typically a ton of moving pieces. And I think the last couple seasons had kind of been an anomaly with what was going on at right, uh, right guard. They finally had Billy Turner come in. So there was a cohesive unit again. Elton Jenkins now is looking like a forever starter at left guard until he hangs up his cleats. So to have, you know, veteran guys like David Bakhtiari and Corey Lindsley. And then now to think about losing the cohesion again with your right tackle leaving, you know, whether the Packers decide to slide Billy Turner, I've heard a couple people mention maybe moving Elton Jenkins to right tackle. So just, you know, these are such weird ideas. And I know that that's typically when you can play like swing tackle, you can play most places along the offensive line in a pinch. Uh, But when we start talking about saving money, whereas like, you know, let's bring Brian Belaga back and get rid of Corey Lindsley and throw Lucas Patrick in there at center. It's all just weird to me. And I I think, again, when we're talking about Aaron Rodgers and the cohesion and the comfort that he has with this starting five, you know, Brian Belaga is one of those guys that you do want to have in your locker room, that you do want to have come back. He's one of the quiet leaders and it would be really tough to see him walk away just because he's been such a dependable player. And yes, he does have a slight injury history um, given that he hasn't necessarily been able to play out a full season outside of one or two times in his career, but there's such a significant drop off when he's not on the field that it's really hard to think of unless they're drafting a tackle in the first round, yeah, kind of someone that can jump in and fill that spot. Yeah. I um, think him walking would significantly alter our draft as well. Um, Mm. Like I I can imagine us wanting to take one of the top um, offensive linemen in the draft if we decide not to keep Blogger around. Yeah, so I guess maybe before we dip our toes into the Blake Martinez talks and inside linebacker, maybe we should quickly touch on Jared Valdir then to that note. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, he was himself ready to retire, got the call from Green Bay, and then suited up in place of Brian Balaga. So do you think that if the Packers aren't able to afford Brian Balaga's contract, even if we do estimate a team-friendly deal, let's say he takes $8 million a year instead of $10 million or beyond that, if you can sign someone like Jared Valdir for two seasons, maybe even one season, to kind of be your bridge before you draft your right tackle of the future, which are you kind of preferring and why would you why would you lean in that direction? Yeah, I've been thinking about this a lot, actually, because I I actually would like to keep Jared Valdir around as just like a rotational guy who can kind of suit up if we needed him in any anywhere on the line. Um, I think it goes to if he wants to play. 
um, considering he was retired and came back. Does he want to keep playing? Um, I think he's a really great depth guy. It's going to depend on how much he will be. But um, I think I'm, I would lean more towards keeping him and like you said, kind of not getting that future offensive tackle guy in the draft for a bit because of what you discussed about the cohesion. Um, he fit so seamlessly. And the offensive line, especially by the end of the season, was really working well together. Um, and so I think even just um, in year two with Jared around, um, you know, that just can continue. So I would lean towards doing that, but, you know, I don't run this team, so I'll make good decisions. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think that whether or not the Packers do decide to turn to the draft for the right tackle of the future, and even if they they move on from Brian Balaga or Jared Valdir, there's also something to be said about having that veteran presence coming in along the line. And I think that, you know, for guys like Aaron Rodgers, there is a comfort there when you have like a 10-year vet at a tackle position instead of like, and no discredit to guys like Lucas Patrick, but when they're taking like 20 snaps and they're on the third string teams, they're on the scout team, not getting a ton of reps. And then you have a guy who's played the position as a starter for a number of years. There is a little bit of a drop off there. So I think that for Aaron Rodgers, this was one of the first times in a number of seasons that even when someone like Brian Balaga did get injured, having Jared Valdir come in kind of as that safety net to be able to fill in without really a drop-off in the production or the cohesion of the unit was really important. So even if the Packers don't necessarily, or even if they're unable to bring back Brian Balaga, signing Jared Valdir, even if you don't intend on him being the starter going into 2020, he's not a bad insurance policy to have while you groom your right tackle of the future. And even if they do end up starting and they have the same type of production that Elton Jenkins did, then if something happens to a guy like David Bakhtiari, you have Jared Valdir there, on the roster to kind of fill in those gaps. Um, so, you know, to have a swing tackle, we saw what happened when the Packers relied on Jason Spriggs. And that's, again, not trying to knock the guy for anything, but there was a significant lack of production from their swing tackle. So to have a reliable player, if he wants to come back for one or two years, sign me up. <laughs> I completely agree. I guess now maybe we can talk about Blake Martinez. Uh, he seems to divide Packers fans unlike any player that I can remember in recent history. You either love the guy or you hate the guy. And I mean, maybe we're just kind of in the middle here because we can acknowledge that he's maybe not the best for this Packers defense, but he's still a, a good football player and he's just not what the Packers need right now, but that doesn't take away from him as a good player. Um, so go ahead and give us your thoughts, I guess, on Blake Martinez and what you see his role being with the team if he does come back or, you know, if the team does move on from him. I'm so torn with him. Um, I think my gut knows that he's not going to get re-signed. Um, so I think I'm looking at it like he's not going to be around. Um, I mean, he's currently one of the top ranked um, inside linebackers in the free agency. So I imagine if he hits the market, he's going to get really big money somewhere else. Definitely a lot more than the Packers would be willing to play him. And he has, I mean, he has some, you know, clout to it. Like he's led the league in tackles for the last few seasons. Um, he's a fantastic person and leader. Um, you can see it. The guys love him in the locker room. And I think any team would be lucky to have him. Like you said, Maggie, he's just not, 
he's not doing it for us anymore. And, and we definitely need an upgrade there. Um, and there are alternatives as well as the draft. But um, I worry that when we lose Blake, like what is left? Um, like I just think about, okay, so Blake's gone. Then what? Like I think the a position of need gets even more needy. <laughs> where like we've lost our best guy and like now we need two linebackers, you know, or maybe Oren Burks and, and Ty Summers can make that jump, but that's a really tough thing to count on given the production or lack of production that they've had so far. So um, while I, in my heart, think that Blake's gone, it also makes me nervous because I don't, you know, we... We need to fill not just his role, but an additional linebacker role as well. Yeah, I mean, Blake Martinez played just about every snap for the Packers on defense. Um, and then the player that played opposite him the most was B.J. Goodson, who's also a free agent. I'm, and I don't necessarily see him returning either. So then your roster is down to Oren Burks, a third round draft pick, and Ty Summers, a seventh round draft pick. Um and Ty Summers, you know, looked really good on special teams, but he didn't play a single defensive snap for the entire season. And Oren Burks was kind of trying to work his way back into the rotation because he also kind of has an injury history. And it's it's unfair to say that because part of it was just that he wasn't used in the rotation as much as maybe Packers fans would have liked to see him get those opportunities. It was BJ Goodson, the run stuffer, instead of Oren Burks. Um, so general... General Manager Brian Gutekunst did say that the position was really in flux um, right now with Martinez being a free agent. Um, and he said the team is still excited about Oren Burks, but I hope that doesn't mean that they're complacent at the inside linebacker position because, yeah. you know, Blake Martinez, and if you look at Pro Football Focus, Martinez has a really solid rating as far as, you know, leads the league in tackles, second in the number of assists. Um, his pass rush grade is actually really good. It's a 76.3, but then his run defense is a 47. And that was pretty much the bane of this entire defense. You know, the entire season was that run defense. So as, as good as Blake Martinez is as a thumper, I think that they need to get a little bit of speed at the position. I think they need someone who can go sideline to sideline, cover tight ends, which again was really difficult for this team in 2019. Uh, but I do fully agree with you that if the Packers move on from Blake Martinez, it doesn't necessarily feel like they're just replacing one guy. You know, this was the headset wearer for your defense. He was the captain of the defense. He's the one that got everyone in position to do that. And that's not to say that Oren Burks or a high draft pick like Patrick Queen can't do that. But that's a that's a huge jump to expect from a rookie, even if they are a rookie first round pick. Yeah, and it's a lot to ask of any player coming in and it's their first year in the scheme. I mean, that's why when I say Blake Martinez is a leader, it's not just a locker room presence. It's literally on the field. He's directing, you know, what everyone is doing. And and that's a lot to teach somebody new. I mean, maybe we don't know behind the scenes they've been grooming Oren Burks to do this, but um, I just don't see that happening um, and I also think that given the tight cap space that the Packers have, if they were to get a linebacker and free agency, it I don't know what kind of upgrade it would be from Blake Martinez because we can't pay Corey Littleton, you know, the money that he's probably going to get elsewhere. And, and yes, there are some other options, but, um, you know, it's just it's a it's a big question mark for me. Yeah. And I'm glad that you mentioned the free agency 
whether or not it would be an upgrade because, you know, Blake Martinez spot track estimates that if he does hit the open market, which I think at this point, the Packers really don't have the salary to pay him, especially if they do prioritize a guy like Brian Balaga over Martinez, $16.3 million is what spot track has his, his yearly contract estimated at, which would be 80 million over five years. And given the money that they just invested into edge rushers, Kenny Clark needing a massive payday in the next couple of years, it just doesn't seem feasible to think that the Packers will be able to bring back Blake Martinez. And honestly, at this point, it wouldn't, I guess, shock me if the Packers did decide to bring back someone like BJ Goodson. So there's at least a little bit of familiarity in that, you know, middle of the defense. And then you can pair a veteran player with maybe a young rookie or Oren Burks. And you have guys that are kind of rotating through that have seen it and been a part of it. Um, it, it almost kind of reminds me of when the Packers were dealing with the Oren, Brook, Oren Burks injury a couple of years ago, and they brought in Antonio Morrison. I, I think if they jump in in free agency, it's definitely not going to be a big name player. It's going to be somebody that can be a stopgap while a rookie gets up to speed in a Mike Patton defense. Yeah, I completely agree. I was actually thinking that potentially they could keep BJ Goodson. He could get a really cheap deal and he's a, a good like rotational guy, solid. I mean, the reason why they brought him in, he continued to kind of fill that role while we hopefully would prioritize linebacker in the draft. Um, it's just hard for me to imagine a rookie having the kind of impact that we need our linebackers to have in, immediately. Um, I mean, we got very lucky that Darnell Savage was a starting safety every game that he was healthy for. You know, it's just a lot, I think, to to ask of a rookie to make that jump so quickly. Um, so linebacker is definitely something I'm going to be looking out for in the next few months. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So now I think this might get to the hardest part of the show. And that is when we talk about <clears throat> some players that are on the cusp of retirement but still have potentially the juice to play a couple more years. So these are the players that end up being really hard decisions because they're locker room leaders. They're loved by the franchise. They're loved by the fans. They're loved by the players. Um, I'm talking about Tremont Williams specifically and also Mercedes Lewis. So what are your thoughts on both of those guys? Do both of them come back? Neither of them, one or the other, what kind, what happens there? Yeah. Um, I think that in an ideal world, we have both of them back at affordable one to two year deals. Um, I think the reality of it is it might just be one of them. And, oh, as much as I love Big Dog, um, mm-hmm. I got to see his one and only touchdown uh, in person this year, which was amazing. <laughs> I heard the Big Dog, Big Dog call and I was like, it's happening. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I I would like to see Tremont back. Um He's 36, but he just had a phenomenal last season, played in all 16 games. Um, he had 39 tackles, a forced fumble, two interceptions. He held up the slot for us wonderfully. Um, and I think, in my opinion, at least our cor- cornerback room is pretty set. Um with him at that slot position, he's a really solid player. He definitely is still some juice left in him and Petten loves him. He praised him this year for his play at his age and his leadership abilities. So um, I'd be really, really upset if Tremont left because I think that he would want to continue to play um, and has the ability to. So he'd either, you know, be left with kind of a early retirement decision or get picked up by another team who would be getting a really great corner. So um, I'd like to see him back. It would definitely have to be a one to two you know, affordable deal though. 
Yeah, I think I'm with you. And the cornerback position to me is kind of one of those positions that's like a creeping need where the Packers are okay at least going into this season. But come 2021, we're not entirely sure what will happen with Kevin King. Um, if Josh if Josh Jackson can take that leap going into um, his third season, um, Jair, you know, I, I don't really see any setbacks from him. I think that he will be a player that the Packers will pay big money to uh, in a couple seasons. So depending on what happens with some of the developmental guys like Jandon Sullivan, if, when he comes back, I think even though he's an exclusive rights uh, free agent, I think he'll for sure be back on the team, at least as a training camp guy. Um, Kadar Holman, who was just drafted, the cornerback position to me isn't necessarily as locked down as we would feel like it is. And I think part of that would be if the Packers lose Tremont Williams. So you have Jair and you have Kevin King as your starting corners. But like you said, Tremont played so well in the slot this past season that, you know, maybe if they replace him with Chandon Sullivan, you'd have that, that same kind of production. But it's hard to think of what this defense looks like without Tremont. And, you know, he's played how many seasons and he still gets an 82.2 coverage grade from pro football focus. So I think he's still got the juice to play. I think that he's still energized and available. So maybe the Packers bring him back again on like a one-year deal and just kind of see what happens with the development of guys going into this season. But I think that if he doesn't come back, corner is immediately a more pressing need than, you know, we might expect as fans. If the Packers were to sign a corner early, like late day two, early day three, as far as, you know, where they go in the draft, I that wouldn't surprise me. Um, and with Mercedes Lewis, I think a lot of what happens with him will also kind of depend on what happens with Jimmy Graham. Uh, so Jimmy Graham is expected, obviously, to be released by the team. He he could end up being a cap casualty as someone who only plays out two out of his plays out two of his three seasons. Um, if the Packers release him, they'll get a significant amount of money back. So it wouldn't it wouldn't shock me to see them do that. Um, and Mercedes Lewis is not going to break the bank in the same way that Jimmy Graham did. And and going into this season, you know, you have Jay Sternberger and then Robert Tanyan is an exclusive restricted free agent. So he likely will at least come back in training camp. But then if the Packers let go of Jimmy Graham, they don't really have that veteran presence. They have two guys that are still developing into their roles. And as much as we expect Jay Sternberger to take a leap, Mercedes Lewis has said he can still play. He feels good every day. He enjoys the game. Having him come back for another one or two seasons while you develop Jace further, you know, you optimize the two tight end set, you draft a tight end early, or you sign a guy in free agency. I know Packer fans love the idea of Austin Hooper coming to Green Bay. Um, I think that Mercedes Lewis is definitely somebody that would be an impact player for this team in 2020, given just his role alone as a leader, a selfless blocker, kind of somebody that the young tight ends, you'd want them to develop under. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree with all of that. Like I said, in a perfect world, I'd love to have him back, too. I think um, he can play. He can block well. He's great in the run game. Aaron loves him. Um, and if Aaron's going to lose both his tight end best friends this year, I mean, I just like that makes me so sad for him. <laughs> um, and I agree. I think the idea of having two very green tight ends, you know, out there on their on their own without that better in presence um, is a risky move. Um, I see the Packers drafting a tight end potentially this draft too, but that still doesn't um, kind of bring that leadership and veteran presence. So um, I'd love to come 
have him come back, and I agree he'd be pretty cheap. I like that you slipped the uh, green players in there because, to me, it was a really good pun about the Packers. But anyway, so moving on. <laughs> While we, before we wrap things up, um, there's plenty of free agents, obviously, that we have not talked about. I think some of the more notable names are guys like Kyler Fackrell, Tyler Irvin. I know that you wanted to touch on John Ellison. So any guys maybe that you want to mention before we wrap things up, whether you do see them for sure coming back, you think for sure they're gone, or maybe at the right price, they're somebody that you'd want to want Green Bay to consider. Yeah. So I have, I have a thought about Kyler Fackrell that I, I've been thinking about a lot. And I think he's, I see him being let go because if we really want Rashawn Gary to step up and be that, you know, third rusher, he's going to need more playing time. And I see him taking Fackrell snaps. Like I see that being a very seamless transition. So I'd be really surprised if the Packers brought him back this coming season. Um, the other one is Tyler Irvin. Um, I actually was thinking before yesterday that we potentially might let him go because if we drafted a wide receiver that could do both special teams and, you know, be, be a receiver. But then Matt LaFleur in his presser yesterday said how much he really likes him and how much added value he had and how he completely changed special teams around. So, and I think he would be pretty cheap. You could maybe get him at the minimum. So um, I actually think that Tyler Irvin might be back, um, back again next season. Yeah, we talked about this a little bit pre-show, but just how running back is, again, one of those kind of sneaky needs uh, where, you know, the Packers have Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams locked in for one more season, and they're both free agents at the same time, which becomes really difficult for the team to kind of figure out if they want to keep both, one or the other. Um, You know, I know the theme around the NFL is that you don't pay running backs big money, um, so we'll see what happens there. But Dexter Williams didn't take a jump that the team expected him to. I mean, when Jamal Williams got his concussion, they brought in Trey Carson from the practice squad. They didn't give those snaps to Dexter Williams. So I don't know if they're just not convinced at this point or if they need to see, you know, more upside from him. But Tyler Irvin is a running back. He was utilized pretty effectively, especially kind of in the playoffs where he got more snaps, you know, with end arounds and really creative things. Um, So I'd like to see Matt LaFleur and how he could utilize him a little more going into year two. Um, But like you said, if, the Packers do draft a wide receiver that is a kick and punt returner. It seems kind of difficult to then give up a roster spot for someone like Tyler Irvin, who would probably be fourth on the depth chart as far as running backs. And, you know, if his primary goal is to do something that another player on the team is capable of doing, it's hard to see the Packers investing what limited cap space they have in a return guy, even though he did significantly improve the return game the second he walked down onto the field. Um, Ryan Grant is a wide receiver I want to touch on really quick, just because I feel (laughs) like that experiment really ended before it began in Green Bay. I know that he kind of was insurance, and then the Packers got healthy, and they didn't end up necessarily needing him. But for a team that struggled to get production out of the wide receiver group, it's still kind of an enigma to me why he was never even active on the roster on game day. Um, And I don't know if that means that he just wasn't picking up the offense. There wasn't a lot of trust in him. They thought guys like Jake Kumro would produce more. Whatever the case is, I think that that experiment has ended. Um, But then we've got, you know, some exclusive rights free agents. uh, Alan Lazard, Jake Kumro, Tyler Lancaster, Chandon Sullivan, Will Redman. Uh, So really quickly, I know I just said that we were going to wrap up before, but then we did what we do and we 
got too detailed. Um, so of the exclusive restricted free agents, who do you think comes back and who do you think the Packers maybe move on from? And this doesn't mean that they won't come back for training camp, but I guess at this point, who would you see as a 53 player and who would you see um, maybe not making that roster? Yeah. Well, the easy ones for me is uh, Al Lazard. I mean, he's like wide receiver two right now. So there's no way that that guy is not going to be on the 53 man roster. Um, I could see Will Redmond, um, you know, sneaking in there maybe a little bit um, or Chandon Sullivan. They, they played um, when they had to this season and they looked pretty solid. Um, I would love to see Jay Kumaro back. I think he'll at least be him and Tanyan will at least be at camp. Um, they will yeah. be there. Um, whether they make the 53 or not is kind of, I think will be post camp. Um, and I know we didn't mention Geronimo Allison. He's a, he's an unrestricted free agent, but I see, I see Geronimo being gone. Yeah, I'm with you. I think Alan Lazard for sure, at least maybe starting the season is wide receiver two. Um, and then, you know, if they did draft a guy like T Higgins, I'll throw that one out there because I know that that would make you incredibly happy. Uh, if they do draft a receiver really early, I think that, you know, the thought would, of course, be that that receiver will become wide receiver two, whether it's in the first quarter of the season or it takes a little bit of time for them to develop. Um, but I think your starting three receivers going into the 2020 season will end up, of course, being Devontae Adams, Alan Lazard, and then a high draft pick. And, you know, if they draft somebody in free or if they sign somebody in free agency, that kind of changes things a little bit. You know, then you maybe have a top four instead of a top three. But I think that Alan Lazard is pretty locked into this roster. I don't think he has much to worry about going forward. Um, I think that Tyler Lancaster at this point has a better shot at making the roster than maybe even a guy like Montrevious Adams. And I know that Tyler Lancaster was an un undrafted guy that they signed, um, but he's one of the best run defenders that this defense has right now. Um, so unless they invest draft capital uh, pretty high into that interior defensive line position, or, you know, if they look at a free agent like Michael Pierce from the Ravens, I think Tyler Lancaster by default is kind of your run stuffer. Um, and I think Kingsley Kiki's going to have a really nice second year. Uh, I think he'll make that jump to be a productive player in the league. But Lancaster's been there. He's played it. He's made some, he's looked pretty good in his limited action. So I think of the exclusive guys, he's probably one of the one of the players that's more likely to actually latch on to the 53, especially if he can make another jump in training camp. Is there anything else that you want to touch on before we wrap up this episode of Pax What She Said? I think the only thing is that there's always surprises. So anything we say here could like <laughs> completely blow up. You just never know. But, um, you know, it's always hard to see. For me, it's always hard to see guys I really love walks. And I think no matter what happens this season, that might happen. So, yeah. I mean, I think every season we're kind of reminded that the NFL is a business. So last season we had to say goodbye to guys like Clay Matthews and Randall Cobb. And it was really weird to see them playing in enemy jerseys. And then we got to fall in love with guys like Zadarius and Preston Smith. So there is kind of that give and take in the league where as much as it hurts to see the guys that you have grown so familiar with on your team in a different uniform. I mean, Zadarius Smith is like, I've said this on pack a day, I would die for him. So as far as like finding new players to root for and to cherish and to, to really love seeing in the green and gold, that's the part that's so exciting to me about what, whatever happens in free agency and whatever happens in the draft is, 
you know, when the Packers are on the clock at pick 30 or wherever they end up drafting, if they trade up or down to have new Packers to root for that at this time, we're like, they're going to be a forever Packer. That's my favorite part, I guess, of being a fan. Um, So Perry, tell the people that want to follow you where they can find you on social media. Follow me at Goldstein Perry. And as always, please follow the Packs What She Said podcast. And you can find my work at, at Maggie J. Loney, L-O-N-E-Y. I also write for Cheesehead TV, and I podcast with the Pack-A-Day podcast once a week. Go Pack Go! And Jones out in front. They're trying to chase him down. He's in-